All right, I want to go into God's word. Matthew chapter 16, still standing. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Uh, I'm just going to read seven verses and then you'll be able to have your seat in God's presence. Matthew 16. I want to look at a conversation between divinity and humanity. I want to look at the conversation between the natural and the supernatural. I want to be able to come to a conclusion. Uh, after now, I'm beginning to walk in the revelation in which Jesus will set us free. Bible says when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, uh, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he looked at them and said, what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. <laughs> Why is he blessing him? <laughs> he said, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. He said, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now listen, he said, and I tell you that you are Peter. And there's a comma after that. You need to note that. And he said, and on this rock, which rock? <laughs> I will build my church and the gate of eight will not overcome it. He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And that's authority. We spoke about that last week. Is that right? He said, whether you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth, will be loosed in heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever I bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. Whatever I lose here, is loosed in heaven. For a few minutes, I'm going to be speaking to us on what I've titled Revealing Jesus. Or you might call it the revelation of Jesus. Uh, revealing Jesus, the revelation of Jesus. Shall we just pray? Father, thank you. Because the entrance of your word, it gives light, gives understanding unto the simple. Father, thank you because we have come to learn at your word. Uh, Father, there is no higher place than under sitting, under and with your word. Father, we ask, oh God, that your grace will distill your word in our hearts. Father, that your word will cut through our hearts. Father, that you will, your word will have a free course even amongst us. Uh, and after now, Daddy, you will make us better people. In Jesus' matchless name, I prayed. Amen. Can I have a believing amen? amen. A believing amen. amen. Can I have your seat in God's presence? All right. This is house. This is home. First thing first in the rule in the house is that you don't keep appearances at home. All right. So when you are home, I want you to just um, smile. Relax. If the word happens to you, shout, scream. If you want to run around, it's big enough. All right? There's certain things that come to you by the word that you cannot just be calm. Eh, you, you won't just be calm. Understand that. So uh, whatever you want to do, do because God's word will liberate you this morning. All right? Revealing Jesus. Look at the woman and say, revealing Jesus. All right? The question I want to answer today is very simple. All right, if you're looking for mystery, you did not come to church, to the right church this morning. All right, God called me to teach the word of the Lord with practicality, simplicity, and authority. And so I'm going to teach you in a way that you will understand, you will get it, and you will be able to run with it. Amen. I mean, it will be digestible. It will not cause commotion in your belly. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So it's going to be very simple this morning. And the question is very simple because, you see, the way you answer this question will determine how your life will pan out. Uh, the way you answer this simple question, and that question is simple, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? 
Now, as I said that, in your head, ordinarily speaking, when you are asked a question, or someone is asked a question, you are watching who wants to be a millionaire, and someone asks that question, you, you are really taking your frame of knowledge and answering that question, even though you are not asked. It's the way we are wired. We grow in the areas of our questioning. Therefore, the more questions you ask, the more you grow. You always grow in the area you ask questions. So now that I say, who is this Jesus? In your head, certain things will be juggling. And you're asking yourself, who is this Jesus? All right, so let's say, for instance, you went with your group of friends, and then you went around the quarter area, and then you went to Mega Chickens. All right, that's quite a popular place. And then with four of your friends, and somebody just came and just said, with a, with, with a microphone, I was about to ask you a question. I said, hello, hello. And then three of your friends just moved aside, and then he said, um, and then you are thinking, okay, he's going to ask me about Sinobu, he's going to ask me about politics, he's going to ask me about real estate, he's going to ask me about law, he's going to ask me about governance, he's going to ask me about, and then he just looked at you and said, who is this Jesus? And then for a few seconds, your head is saying, there's a camera here, there's a microphone, I cannot mess up. So you're looking for the Greek, the Hebrew, uh, whatever, so that you can answer that question in a real way. I understand that you probably say is the ultimate master. Somebody will say is the helper. You ask that question, say is the healer. You ask that question, say is the king of kings. But because you are on the front of my camera, you will not say is the king of kings. Is the king of kings, so that you can sound very deep. Or if you want to sound mysterious, you will say is the ancient king or the ancient one or the one that never grows old. Glory to God. And all of that will also always be nice and will always, always be correct. After 2,000 years, we still ask that question, who is this Jesus? Uh, but it's not new. I mean, when Jesus was living on the surface of the heart, he had, was living in flesh, he asked the disciples a very simple question. He said, who do men say that I am? And he got different, four different answers in that conversation of between two minutes. Some people say, you are the prophet. Amen. Some people say, you are Elijah that has died and has come back. He said, uh, but, but, uh, and then he looked at them and said, Peter, you people, who do you say that I am? Because you are my disciples. You've stayed longer with me. If anybody will understand the revelation of who I am, it should be you guys. So who do you say that I am? And then he said, you are, and then he said you, are, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus went around and said, okay, I think this guy is making sense today. So today is about asking questions. And Jesus came into this hall. And he's asking you, who is Jesus? So look at your neighbor and help me give him one answer. I, I mean, don't preach because I, I, I'm called to preach. I'm the preacher here. Glory to God. But look at your neighbor and then, who is this Jesus? I mean, answer that question looking at your neighbor. If you have to answer. All right, do I have takers? Do I have takers? Anybody want to? Okay, so what did, what did you say? Obina, what did you say Jesus is? Is the creator of life good? All right. Um, Ignosa, what did you say? <laughs> so, he's God. Okay. Martins, who is this Jesus? Oh, beautiful. Awesome. Wow. Tomorrow, who is this Jesus? The Son of God. You know, all of those answers are correct. Because it's about who he reveals himself to you. There are different dimensions of God. So whatever you call it. But the very, you know, life asks you questions. Like you're not making enough money. Life will ask you questions. Uh, by bringing bills to you. <laughs> life will ask you questions. 
But today, the life himself is asking you a question. The very life himself is asking you a question. And Peter gave his answer. You know, Gandhi gave his answer. Mahatma Gandhi said he's a good man. He said he's not the Messiah, he's a good man. And Muhammad said he's a prophet. That's what he said. The multitudes actually agree with Muhammad. They call him the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Matthew 21, 10 to 11. He said he's the prophet from Nazareth. You know what the children called him? They called him the son of David. Matthew 21, 15. Actually, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, teachers of the law, actually agree with that. That looks like a good description because many of you also do that. You say he's the son of David. Well, you know he's not the son of David. That's actually very wrong because Jesus himself denied that. He's not the son of David. And some of you are looking at me and say, what's he saying? Don't worry. That's why you came to church. Glory to God. Look like what we call him in the modern day. I mean, people actually fight, and people are going to fight on Facebook, Twitter yesterday, two days ago, and say, Why would you people say Jesus is the prophet? We don't agree he's the prophet. But scripture says he's the prophet. But you don't describe him as a prophet. This is Jesus' personal question to you today. And so let me ask you, and I've asked you, and you must answer. Some people say he's the, he's the healer, he's the deliverer, he's the helper, he's the friend, he's the redeemer, he's my source, he's my king, he's my friend. Beautiful. But you know the problem with that is that that is not his identity. Alright, so I can come to this all and then you can look at me and say, Pisaia is the is preacher. Now that describes what I do, that is not who I am. You see, we have come to a generation that do not understand what is called identity because we define identity by what the man does. So you kind of define who Jesus is by what he does. So somebody said Jesus is the healer because he heals. And that person is right. He is the healer, but he is not healer. That's not who he is. Because I am, who you are is your identity. What you do is your works. Who you are, what you, who you are is your identity. But what you do is your works. Therefore, you can be a lawyer. You know, when people do good professions, they do not mind if you describe them by their profession. Therefore, if he's an accountant, he doesn't mind you saying, Oh, this is Fisayo, the accountant. He doesn't mind. But if by chance is a teller and you say, this is Fisayo, the teller, he does not like that. He would rather you describe him by a better work. <laughs> so, we define Jesus based on what he does for us. Somebody says, the chain breaker. So are you telling me that Jesus just goes around breaking chain? Somebody said he's the Alagbed Diorno. The goat's meat of heaven. Like I said last week, funny when I was chatting with some guys, is that goat's meat that when he mines, there is no deep. You don't buy into the deep with God because it's the master goat's meat. You are always buying into the lies. I know people don't smile anymore now when you talk about deep because people have really suffered the deep. How you answer the question of Jesus' identity will determine how you relate with him. Many people see Jesus, like I said, as the supplier, the helper, the chain breaker. So they only relate with him when they are in trouble. Because he's the chain breaker. He's the helper. So they have a problem at work. They are trying to make a sale. That's when they are calling on him. Therefore, if there is no prayer point because there is no need, obviously, they do not have a need for Jesus. So our Jesus has become a commodity Jesus. A Jesus we only run to because there is a need. A Jesus we only run to because there is a thing we are praying for and we are desperate about because we keep defining him by what he does, not by who he is. 
Come on, following me. The, post, the basic problem, therefore, with our theology is the identity of Jesus. Who is he? If you define him by what he does and where he, where he is, you have defined him wrongly. Somebody says he's seated at the right hand of his majesty. That's his position. That's not who he is. A chair can be seated on that place. In fact, there, is some, there must be a throne there for him to be seated there. Is that not so? The true revelation of Jesus will deliver you from many chains and bondages. The true revelation of Jesus. And there is no better answer than the one given by Peter by revelation. He said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. He wasn't saying, he has seen Jesus heal the sick. He has seen Jesus raise the dead. And so Jesus was asking him. He has seen Jesus help them in the time of need. He had seen Jesus even pay tax for him. <laughs> but Jesus was not asking him personally, who am I? Because if Jesus asked you personally, you would also remember the bondages. You remember the freedom. You remember how he came through in your dreams. You remember how he came through and made that vision a reality. And you begin to define Jesus by that. And that is not so far-fetched from scriptures. It is what we do. The God of Abraham. Why? Because he came through for Abraham. The God of Isaac. He came through for Isaac. And so we can also begin to say, oh, the God of this commission. It doesn't mean that is who God is. It just means that is the works he has done before. It's a testament that he's a living God. But that does not prove that that is identity. So what is Jesus' identity? He said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And, and he looked at Peter. He said to Peter, he said, you know, you could not have gotten this by reading books. He said you couldn't get this even by perception. You couldn't have gotten to this depth because you walked with me. It must have been that there is a revealing spirit that told you this. He said you got this because it was revealed to you. Listen, the true identity of Jesus will only come to you by revelation. It only comes to you by revelation. But we don't have to look for so many revelations because the word of God is the highest level of revelation. There is nothing you would get by praying in spirit. By staying in the world, by staying with God, that will be higher than what God has already written in his word. Nothing. The highest level is the word. So when I want to know who God is, I don't need to see and read the titration of a revelation of a man by reading a book. I need to go to the word. And Peter looked at Jesus and said to him, You are Christ, the son of the living God. I want to, for a few minutes, look at the ramification of that statement. I want to for a few minutes look at that statement intrinsically as a teacher. And I want to break it down for you so that you will understand what it means uh, to be a follower of Jesus. Because you see, we have many people who are not following Jesus because of who Jesus is. We are just following him because of what he can do. Therefore, if today we, what we had had was a power meeting where the Holy Ghost moved, I believe that, I do that, I operate in the spiritual. But you see, it is not, you don't build a people based on that. We must first of all set the foundation on the earth. Because people don't know God, when things begin to happen in their life that is contrary to the God of that works, they begin to question that Jesus is alive. Because if you only know Jesus as a chain breaker, and a chain refuses to break. <laughs> Are you getting me now? If Jesus refused to break a chain, then you will stop coming to church. It's the reason many people in this generation have given up on God. Because they were taught that Jesus is the healer. And yet someone died that they love. They were taught that Jesus can do all things. And they have been they are granted for years and there is no job. They were taught that with Jesus you can never lose. But it seems that they have been losing back to back. 
So you come at them and say, go to church. They say, church is calm. The only people that get rich in church are the pastors. Say, amen. That's what they say. Why? Because someone actually did not follow the scriptures in telling them about Jesus. Jesus is a very good realist and idealist. Say, in this world, you will see trouble. <laughs> when I saw that in scripture, I closed the Bible and I walked away. I came back the next day, I saw that he was there. I told him, where did he go? He's there. Scripturally, he's there. He said, and then Smith said, why are you angry? Read it on. He said, be of good cheer. He said, I have overcome the world. I have overcome. But the overcoming does not mean there is no battle to fight. Are you free? Someone following me. So where is Jesus? Number one, I want to look at that statement. The very first thing when they ask you where is Jesus, the first thing you must say as a person with revelation is that he is Christ. He is Christ. Look at your number one and say, he is Christ. So when you say Jesus Christ, no, he is Christ. That Christ has a meaning. It's not the way you just wake up and just name a child stone. No people in America, stone, fish, mark. You just don't name them anything. You can't feel anything. Drink water. <laughs> there are a lot of crazy names out there. But this one is not only a name, it's a title. The Hebrew meaning for that word Christ is the word Masiak, which you also known popularly as the word Messiah. So Christ is really more than a name, it's a title. The Bible often refers to him as Jesus Christ. Just as we do. Matthew 1 1, Matthew 1 8, Mark 1 1, John 1 17, John 17 3, Acts 3 and verse 6. The scripture refers to him as Jesus the Christ. He's Christ. Meaning he's the anointed one because that word Christ means the anointed one. Now there are many people with the anointed, but there is yet one who is called the anointed one. The word Christian is actually from that word Christus, which is the Greek word for Christ. Is the word Christus, which actually means little, little anointed ones. So he is the anointed one. We are anointed in his line, but Jesus is the Messiah. And you see, the main problem the Pharisees and the Sadducees had with Jesus, I'll tell you now, was that he kept calling himself the Christ. Because they were looking for the Messiah, and the moment he kept saying that he's the Messiah, the more they get angry. Have you ever told somebody that you are rich before, and the person looks at you and says, why are you boasting? Is someone following him? The, the, the reason you, they are angry is not because of what you said you are. That is what you are. They are angry that he was identifying with his identity. Why? Because there is something about that thing called Christ. Now, I prove it to you in scriptures. Peter said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. At Jesus' interrogation with the Jews, the high priest asked him in Matthew 26 and verse 63, he said, tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. And he said, you have said it. The moment he said that, the Bible says, he said, there is no need to ask him any more questions. Why? Because there is something the devil does not like about Christ. Okay for you to say Jesus is my friend. The devil doesn't mind that. But the moment you start calling him Christ, the devil gets mad. What took Jesus to the cross was that identifying with that title, Christ, saying, I am the anointed one. Luke records it the way I love it. 
when Jesus was casting out devils from the demons, uh, one of the demons in Luke chapter 4 verse 41, he said, you are Christ, the son of God. And Jesus rebuked him. He didn't allow him to speak further because this is the revelation that people don't want to know. Don't say it yet. It's not time to die yet. He was saying, keep quiet, demon. I need to do some teaching before the cross. Don't come and reveal me before my time. Why? Because the demon was saying, you guys don't know. This is Christ. This is Christ. Son of the living God. So Jesus combines that name with his title. The name is Jesus. Because when the angel came, he said that child that will be born will be called Jesus. Listen, but that's not what makes Jesus supernatural. By the way, people were born in the New Old Testament. And their name were given to them before they were even born. Samson, before he was born, the angel came and said that's his name. But you know why Jesus is on his screen? It's very important. Because they were looking for the seed. They were, the, the Hebrews actually wait for the Messiah to come. Because God had already said it from the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, the seed of the woman. Oh, and Daniel prophesied about him. The psalmist prophesied about him. Isaiah prophesied about him. That there is just going to be a Messiah who is going to save you. So they were waiting for many years for this Messiah to come. And there had been proofs of how he's going to be born. And so when Jesus came and said, I am the Christ. He said, he was saying to them, I'm the one you are expecting. I'm the devil crusher. That's what that name means because he's the seed of the woman. I'm the anointed one that will defeat the devil and put it under my feet. I am the one you are expecting. I'm the one who take away the sin of the whole world. I am the Messiah. And people looked at him and said, I know John now. No be, no, uh, no be Jesus. What are you people talking about? Not be Jesus. Not be that carpenter's son. We know him. The Messiah, we are not supposed to know him. This guy is a scam. understand is that as a carpentry place in Surulere he's saying he's Christ he can't be Christ we know where he came from when Christ comes we will not know where he came from where, he's, where he comes from <laughs> they knew that the Messiah was coming and they believed that when he comes he's going to deliver them from the chains of the Romans but when, they, when Christ came he chose the battle we can never want, win he chose to fight not a terror of a time, but he chose to fight for all of eternity. He won a battle we never knew was even a battle in the first place. A battle against sin, devil, oppression, weakness, sickness, and bondages. Jesus came. The Christ came and delivered us from terrible bondage and sin. And that's what is important. Therefore, when you call Christ, the devil looks at you and saying, is he saying this is the one who crushes me? Is he saying... He would rather you say something else. Because that name Christ is still that name that sends shivering down air and his gates. Will you call him Christ this morning? The second name of God. By revelation. Who is Jesus? I'm talking about identity. What is his identity? He is Lord. He is Lord. Amen. He has risen from the dead. He is Lord. Hallelujah, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. You can see that song is heavy. Jesus Christ is the Lord. For Jesus to be the Lord of your life, it means he's the ruler, the boss, the master of your whole life. I've discovered Jesus cannot be a Lord of a part. 
He has to be the Lord of the whole. Many people say, you know, he has my spiritual life, but he can't have my sensual life. <laughs> He's not Lord. He has to be the Lord of the whole. Lordship is linked to the name of Jesus. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, he said, therefore God has highly exalted him, and given him a name that's above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven, on those on earth, and of those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that what? Jesus Christ. Not just Jesus. Jesus, the anointed one, is Lord. Lordship was, the, was in the very heart of the redemptive work. Paul made it clear, Romans chapter 14, 8 to 9. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. He was saying, when you live, who owns you is God. You see, we need to understand this thing. It will affect your Christian work. It will affect what you do. That Jesus is Lord over everything. So don't look at your vocation. Don't look at your career from Monday to Friday and say, I can't find God in it. Meanwhile, you are waiting for God on a Sunday. Everything you do, you are a representative of Jesus. He must be the Lord over everything. Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and then verse 9, what you confess is that Jesus is Lord. Lordship actually means two things, and I love you to, I love you to note this. It means that he has power and authority over you. Power and authority over you. Listen, we can keep confessing that Jesus is Lord, but if we don't submit to his authority and power, our confession is meaningless. We can keep confessing Jesus is Lord. Many people do that. Have you met people like that? You say, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. Oh, he's Lord. And when the Spirit comes, when the glory comes, people start crying. But you don't want him? And they leave that particular place. And they go and do exactly what is opposite to his commandments. And yet they say he's Lord. You see, there's a problem. We are not truly under its lordship. We just confess it. In summary, I'll say three things you need to know. Number one, he has authority and power over you. When you say Jesus is Lord, what you're saying, sweetheart, is that he has power and authority over you. Is that true? Do you say that? Do you believe that? He has power and authority over you. That's number one. If you cannot say that, then you are a joker. Number two, you are saying, I am submitted to his power and his authority. Now listen to this. Folks, can we be truthful to ourselves? If Jesus says, don't do that job again, go do something else, would you? Amen. Glory to God. I know all guys who are not married want to marry someone special, beautiful, awesome, total package. I mean, air toner. Glory to God. It makes you, I mean, you just want to score all the line. And the lady also wants to marry someone, I mean, who when he stands beside you, he's tall, dark, and handsome, and take home to mama. So that when mama sees him, he says, This is my lost son. <laughs> Glory to God. And you want to do all of that. But listen to this. What if God is calling you? What if God is calling you and saying, listen, marry that one, that person. And you look at her and say, no man, no man, no man. You know, you know how, you, how this generation talks to God? Say, no man, no man. 
No man, you, you can't be serious. No man. No, no, no man. It's, 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 it's joking, right? It's joking. You can't be telling me to marry this person. No man. And God is saying that thing. Imagine God also comes again. I mean, this is God. He comes again and says to you, you know what? Leave your job. I'm calling you to Ilori. <laughs> you will say, please, where is that on the dictionary? I, I'm, no, sorry, on the map. Where even is Ilori? <laughs> no man. No man. You said he's Lord. Say, no, no man. You know, he's become man because now you are negotiating. Because you are not submitted to his authority. So God says to you, you know, you just collected your first salary and then he didn't ask you for anything. But then on the 10th month, after you have taught yourself that this is the time to buy that car, and he said, take half of that and just... He didn't say pastor because pastor is what you expect me to say. <laughs> and then he said, no, you know what? Just take that money and give it to that lady next door. She man, kobari katabali, I bind the devil. I was supposed to buy a car. I bind the devil. We are no shakaba. And you pray for two days. And then God still says, give it away. And you start hearing, give it away. Give it away. You've not believed that you are hearing well. You know why? Because you are not submitted to his lordship. You are lying. Lordship that is not tested is not true lordship. He will test your lordship. You say he is lord. It's not a sweet gospel. It will test your lordship. You will then begin to stand in a place where you can say to yourself, I, 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 am I, am, I don't want to hear God again. You have been praying to hear God. Amen. I know people come to me and say, I've never had God. I just want to hear God. I say, are you sure? Are you, you say, no, yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Are you sure? You know, this defines number three, our relationship with him. The simple truth is that when Paul tells us that if you confess Jesus as Lord, we will be saved. He wasn't giving us a magical salvation formula. He was stipulating how this relationship is going to, be, to work. He was saying it's going to be a master lordship relationship. We are saved if we surrender our life to him. I'm, 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 this is gospel that you will not hear preach. But this is the truth. Jesus is Christ. Jesus is Lord. Do you still say he's Lord? Now look at the last one year. How many of his commission have you followed? Some you just pretended you did not hear. I've had people say to me, I told God to tell me again. I said, why is it that when, it is called, when God says you should give, that's when you tell him to give you again. You say it again. When it benefits you, you had once. Once has he spoken to us about hard power belongs to God. But when he says give, when he says pray, when he says wake up every night, you know what you say? You say, Bible says test every spirit. Test every spirit. So I'm just testing every spirit. I'm, 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 I'm a discerning believer. You are not. I'm asking you again, is he Lord? Chain breaker is God is, is truly Jesus the one who breaks chain. It's truly Jesus the one who heals. Do you understand that? So number one, he has authority and power over us. Number two, we are submitted to his power and authority. Therefore, we do the things that are pleasing to him. And then number three, this defines our relationship with him. And then number three now, you know, I said, how do you define Jesus? And I'm explaining the identity of Jesus. I said the first identity is what? Is what? Number two, is Lord. And then number three, you will love this. He's the son of God. But please, put it there. He's the son of God. 
of the living God. Why did I say that? If you read Yoruba tradition, some of their gods have sons. And so you don't have to always make it in English. When you are writing that, you say, let's put capital G and small g. No, there is none of them that is living. So whenever you just put the living God there, we know who you are talking about. He is the son of the living God. Listen to this. He is not the son of David. You know, I said that when I started. I said, we say he is the son of David. That's wrong. He's not the son of David. Read your Bible. He's the son of God. And whatever I say to you, I've always told you, please don't take my word for it. I'll, I'll show you in scriptures. You know I'll show you, Abby. All right. Matthew 22, verses 41 and 45. Now, this was a conversation. They had asked Jesus so many questions. So Jesus asked them only one. You see, when God asks you a question, I tell people, don't answer. Just tell him, please, just tell me what they are saying. Because Jesus, he looked at them and said, why the Pharisees were together, Jesus asked them, ah, saying, what do you think about the Christ? Don't forget, it is this, the Christ that is the problem. It is him calling himself the Messiah that the devil is against. And the Pharisees are against. That's what got him killed. I've told you what got him killed now. Because he's the Christ. Now he asked them again. Bringing up that subject they don't want to hear. He said, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. You know, there is a way you answer things boldly and you are wrong. <laughs> son of David. He said to them, how then does David in the spirit... He was saying David was not, he was not a carnal person. In the spirit, call him Lord. Saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? You know the way you kept quiet. I mean, I, I tell people that you must be able to just channel against scriptures in the church. I mean, you just recreate that sin. So the same way you all kept quiet was the way they kept quiet. Verse 46 says, and no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. You know when, you, when people give it to you, you know this one is not my level. So John left him. Why in that scripture what was very clear was that he was not David's son. Because David himself called him Lord. So he's the son of God. Jesus is not God's son in the human sense. Not because somebody had sex and just the same way you came out. You know the way you came out. Praise God. Even though you've never seen your dad and your mom show affection. For you to be alive is a proof that they have done something before. Can you say amen? I don't know what kind of home you came from, but I mean, <laughs> my sister is here. We know the kind of home we came from, but I mean, we never saw some affections outside, but we saw the children who are coming. The children are here. So we know for us to be here, something must have happened. Glory to God. God did not mate with Mary. Not together with that to produce a son. Jesus is God's son in the sense that he was made manifest in human form. Luke chapter 1 verse 35. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come over you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The only one to be born will be called what? The Son of God. You know that is the thing that the other religion don't want to hear from you. They don't want to hear that this is an immaculate conception. They don't want to hear that. They called him a prophet because they believed that someone gave back to him. You know, their head is so carnal that it's difficult to understand that, that the God who made all the earth can make a man without getting through a woman. How is that difficult? He made everything. So how can he not also decide to create without following the law he made in place, he put in place? 
during his trial before the Jewish leader, the high priest demanded of Jesus, I charge you under oath by believing God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus looked at them and said, Yes, it is as you say. But I say to you all, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. You know what they said? Blaspheming. Blaspheming. He's not, he's not supposed to leave. Why? Because he called himself Christ, the Son of the Living God. Stood before Pilate and the Jews insisted, according to our law, he should die. Why should he die? Because he called himself the Son of God. Now, this is where you need to get the revelation in this. The Jews understood something we all don't get. And I want you to get it this morning. The Jews had an understanding of something we don't get. That calling yourself the Son of God is equation to God. Saying that you are, Jesus, you are God's Son, you are saying that you have the nature of the Father. And they can't get that. They don't understand that. How can you claim, because when he kept saying he's God's son, he was saying, I am from God. I am God's. I have the nature of God. I am like God. And they couldn't understand that. That's blasphemy. So they wanted to kill him. And that was why they killed him. Actually, to be the son of God in the mind of the Jews is actually to be God. So Jesus was saying, I am God. And that's the summation of this. That Jesus is God. He's not a prophet, sweetheart. He's not a master, sweetheart. He's not a lover. He's God. Therefore, they demanded his death. And Jesus said, after Peter said these things that we looked at this morning, as I begin to close, Jesus said, and upon this rock, I'll build my church. And he said, and the gate of hell shall not prevail. Now listen, ladies and gentlemen, sweethearts, listen to this. I always read that verse, believing that upon Peter he will build the church. In fact, the Catholic church preaches it. That upon Peter, he's going to build the church. So the word Peter is the word Cephas, which also means the rock. So they were saying Jesus was only doing a play of word. He was saying that upon Peter... He will build the church. And consider that when the book of Acts started, Peter was very paramount and important in furthering the gospel of Christ. So they said, yes, this was a prophecy. Yes, he was building his house, building his church on Peter. But that's wrong. Actually, what Jesus was saying was simple. He said, it's upon these revelational truths, the revelation of Jesus being Christ and Lord, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail. Listen, we are the church of God. Upon this revelational truth, you must build your life. Upon this revelational truth, if you don't build your life upon this revelational truth, so I said all of that to say this, that you need to build your life upon this revelational truth. If you don't, you have no, I know I taught you about authority, but you cannot win against the devil except jesus is lord you can't win in, you can't win except he's christ in your life you can't win except uh, number three what did i say except he's the son of the living god you have no chance against the devil and that means it has to be very personal he said upon this revelational truth i will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail if the devil has been prevailing in your life is because Jesus has not been known as Christ in your affairs. 
the devil has been winning any area of your life is because you are not is not lord over your life i've seen people die and i was close to death also and i can tell you that every time people die whenever they die especially when they walk with god sometimes it's because we don't hear and that lordship we begin to negotiate it i'm not explaining every day i'll tell you a personal story one time i had a conference in Ibadan, and i was supposed to leave that side of the place i said if god said you should go to learning you say you don't won't go there because you don't even know where it is on the map so i used to be in that place where you don't know where it is on the map you understand that so i was there and then in a very quick minute i saw myself seated in my office i was supposed to go to this conference in two days and then i saw myself in the office on the computer for a few minutes i saw that vision and i saw myself in an accident and i paid for that conference and you know the kind of work i do anytime i have opportunity to get I like getting out of bondage to freedom so i always want to go and i saw myself there 24 hours later i was at that same spot again and my dad called and said are you are you traveling is there anything you want to do I saw you died. I saw you dead. I saw. I said, "Don't worry." It is said. He said, "We'll keep praying for." I said, "Don't pray anymore. We get what they want to do." Because I knew and I saw it. Now, if I was not putting God under the lordship, I wasn't under the lordship of God. I would make that journey. I would die. Young people would stand in church and say, "The devil is powerful than God," and the problem was. I didn't listen. Like I said, I'm not explaining all that. I'm just saying some things can be kept because you are under the lordship of God. Someone following me. So I had a story again, talking about the lordship because I'm, I've closed. But you see, there's a way you can now turn the, what you have said, which is a lot of theology into practicality. Do you understand that? It's a whole lot of theology. All right. There was this person who was working, got a job with a company. And then another company offered him a job, and the money was so great. All right? And so he went to meet his pastor, and his pastor said, don't take that job. He said, you don't know what you're saying, sir. <laughs> he comes with a car. <laughs> they, are they are not doubling the salary. It's times five of my former salary. You get so. It's a no-brainer. It's a new company. My position is higher. I, I don't understand. I was doing yes, sir. Now I'm good. The people are going to do yes, sir. It's like you, you, you are a key joy, pastor. So he left the church. Are you following me? He took the job. Glory to God. And as he took the job, he was getting big money. He was making a lot of sense, making money. But there was a problem. After two years, the company folded up. It wasn't up to two years. I think it was about a year. The company folded up. And from that time till now, he hasn't been able to get another job. So it doesn't mean he hasn't been hustling. You know there's hustling and getting a job. Amen. I told you you should not hustle. You should be, live the blessed life. Glory to God. He's been hustling, but he's not been able to. What happened? Because he refused to follow the blessings of the anointed one. Because Christ had revealed what is going to happen. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Tell you don't marry that guy. You look at them and say, what? You, well, you don't understand. This is my prayer point. This is everything I've ever wanted. This is all of my life. They say, don't marry him. Now you married him and he became a monster. Glory to God. Now I have stories of sweet 
handsome brothers that become monsters. Glory to God. And I have sweet, handsome sisters. Okay, it's not handsome, it's beautiful sisters that have also become monsters. And you cannot explain what happened because they look to be two good persons. But I've discovered that two good persons do not necessarily translate to a good marriage. There is still something called the will of God. But many times we don't understand this because we don't know who Jesus is. He's not Lord over our life. He's not Christ. And he's not the son of the living God. All you know him with is an African mentality. The works that he does. So churches are full. And everybody's praying. Prayer points. God do this. God do that. So when they don't have a prayer point, they don't have a need for God. And that's why people don't go to church on the island. Because many of them have money. Glory to God. So they don't see a need for Jesus. Why? Because they were taught that only thing you need God for is for the works he does. Not for the person he is. Can I question your theology and ask you this morning, who is Jesus to you? Has he failed you before? Because he didn't fulfill some of that works that they promised you that he was going to do. I've come to tell you this morning that he's greater than that works. Anytime you call Jesus the healer, you're actually reducing him because he's more than the healer. Anytime you call Jesus the deliverer, you're actually reducing him to a function. He's more than that. Do you understand that? Have you bought an equipment that is multi-purpose before? So you could use it for this thing, but it can do more than that. So anytime you call Jesus, even your friend is more than your friend. The reason you don't have respect for him is because he's your friend. You do all efficiency. You never know that he's your Lord and he's your master. Can you bow down your head, bow down your heart one minute this morning? And I want to ask you again, who is this Jesus to you? The knowledge of who he is affects your perception of Jesus. It dictates your relationship with him. It helps you build a life together with Christ. It assures you of triumph against hell and its systems. It gives you authority in the kingdom of heaven. And it helps you to have this joy and this comfort. Whatever comes my way, he has taught me to say it is well. You can say all of that. Why? Because you know him for who he is. He's the creator, yes. He's the healer, yes. He's the deliverer, yes. He's the helper, yes. Oh, my Jesus is more than all of that. He's Christ. He's Christos. He's the Messiah. He's the son of the living God. If you bow your head this morning, can you begin to say, Lord, be Lord over my life. Be Christ over my life. I confess you as the son of God. Muhammad said he's a prophet. Gandhi said he's a good man. But I confess you as Christ, the son of the living God. I confess you as Christ, the son of the living God. I confess you as Christ, the son, even the son of the living God.